Welcome to the Fairview Baptist Church Discipleship Podcast. This is a resource designed to help the covenant members of Fairview Baptist Church carry out our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ. I'm your host, Joshua Johnston, and today I'm joined by Jared Sneed and once again by my wife, Jessica. Welcome. Thanks. Thank you. Well, during this week's podcast, we'll be dispelling seven myths about discipleship groups. But before we do that, uh, I thought I would get us all in a little bit of trouble first. Uh, When this podcast releases, we'll be just a couple days away from Christmas. And so I'm curious, starting with Jared, what is the worst gift you have ever received? Ah, good question. Uh, the, The very first thing that comes to mind is a giant purple ant. <laughs> okay. Uh, I was, do you want explanation? I think we okay. need some explanation. <laughs> it wasn't a real ant. I figured and, that much. And, and I'm talking about the ant that's like a bug, mm. not like a familial ant. <laughs> okay. So it's a. It, I was at a, one of those Christmas parties where you're supposed to bring a gift, and everyone brought serious gifts, and they were great. And I was like, this is this is a legit Christmas party. And then I opened mine. And it, it literally was like uh, an 18-inch long, giant, like hard, purple ant. And that was it. Mm. Like uh, it wasn't a stuffed animal that you could sleep with or something. <laughs> it was a giant purple ant, very hard. And I did, uh, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like it's not just the worst gift you've ever received, but the worst gift anybody has ever received. <laughs> or <laughs> given. <laughs> yes. I don't yeah. remember who gave it. So if you're listening to this and you were the one that gave me that. I loved it. <laughs> it is infamous. Uh, Jessica, what about you? Well, my, my grandmother was a great gift giver. She either gave the absolute best gifts or... Money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or she gave gifts that she, I think, found in her closet. Um, <laughs> so... One year, she gave me um, a velour tracksuit. Oh, I love that one. And it had her smell on it. It's very smooth. <laughs> Stale cigarettes and white diamonds. <laughs> I love that smell. It's my favorite. I looked online, and you can create your own candle scents, but stale cigarettes and white diamonds were not in the options. <laughs> So that's too bad. I was a little disappointed. Yeah. Well, well, for me, you know, I, I think first I have to admit that I'm pretty tough to buy for. Um, but second, uh, I am a little worried about hurting someone's feelings. And so I'm going to cheat a little bit. Um, I'm going to have to point to a gift from my dad who actually gives pretty thoughtful gifts um, like personalized Bibles or pocket knives. Uh, but I do question his gift-giving skills when it comes to giving to our girls, particularly when they were younger. Uh, all of his gifts, they make lots and lots of noise. And one of them that comes to mind is this Tickle Me Elmo chair. It was red and fuzzy. Uh, and so every time you would sit in Elmo's lap, uh, he would just start shaking and laughing. And so we had this chair that was big, ugly, and loud. It was a horrible <laughs> gift. Uh, it was a horrible gift, Dad. So, yeah, I would usually bump into it when the girls were napping. That was the worst ever. Yeah. Well, look, we've got a lot of ground to cover today, and so we're going to go ahead and dive in. Uh, now, today we are covering seven myths about discipleship groups, or you might even say discipleship in general. Um, All of these things are based off of things that we've been told, and so I will name the myth, and then we will quickly try to debunk it, all right? 
good. Okay, so myth one, I don't need anyone to disciple me, or maybe another way of putting it, I can do it on my own. What do you say to that person? Uh, I think it's just not true. It's not what we see modeled in the scripture. I think um, this independent and autonomous posture is a product of our modern Western culture, and we don't really see it in the Bible. This morning in my reading plan, um, we read through Hebrews chapters 3 and 4, and uh, verse 13 in chapter 3 stuck out to me. It says, but encourage each other daily while it is still called today so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. And when I read that, I just thought that's that's why we do this. That's why we disciple each other because um, sin is deceitful and we need the encouragement and the help of our brothers and sisters daily in order to um, make progress and to grow spiritually. And then over in chapter 4, verse 12, it says, For the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And so he gives us the tool for which we are to go forth and encourage one another, and that's the word. And that's what discipleship groups are all about. It's gathering around the word in order to encourage each other daily so that we can fight sin. So that... um, that need for community is built into God's plan for discipleship. So, yeah, I, I would even add that you know that that's evident in the language that the um, that the Bible references uh, the church with. We are a the body of Christ, or we the family of God, and so we need one another. And I think that's even more evident in the number of times that one another one another is is used in the New Testament, and then even more specifically how it's used. And so we're to be devoted to one another. We were we are to build up one another and admonish and care for and speak truth to one another. We're to teach one another and care for one another, and and on and on and on. And so. Yes, we have this personal responsibility to to read the Word and pray and to grow in our relationship with God, Um, but at the same time, there is this this very clear corporate aspect to our discipleship. We need one another, and so I think that debunks the first myth. The second myth, Jared, is discipleship is the responsibility of pastors. Mm. Uh, I think that's... uh it's both. Um, it is both true and not true at the same time. And what I mean by that is, like, yes, pastors have been uh, given uh, to disciple God's flock, to over to oversee and to shepherd, to oversee the the discipleship of the church in general, and to feed and uh, offer care to the church. And the the pastors should be discipling people. I mean, I, I'm I have a discipleship group, and I'm working to start another one. And so, yes, the, the pastors do discipleship. Uh, but at the same time, it is, uh, it's been addressed already that discipleship is a responsibility of anyone who is a, a follower of Christ. It's, it's in the Great Commission. Like Jesus himself tells uh, all of his disciples to go make disciples. And so it's part of the commands of our Lord Jesus that all of us do this. And so it's, it's actually not realistic at all to expect the pastors to be the primary disciple makers of every member of the church. It's just not possible with time, uh, but it's also just not biblical. And so I think about Ephesians 4, uh, 11 and 12, that says that 
the, the pastors are given t- for, uh, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, uh, to build up the body of Christ. And so uh, the pastors help the members to be disciple makers. Right, very good. All right, myth number three, discipleship groups are just another church program. Uh, well, it is a program in a sense. Uh, we have offered structured and aids to help um, the church uh, get started, and we promote discipleship groups because it's just it's a proven uh, form of discipleship that works and is successful. Uh, so, in that sense, yes, it's a program. It's programmatic, but our hope is that it would grow into more than just a program. Our aim is to develop a culture or a lifestyle where making disciples is just a part of your daily life. I think of it in terms of maybe like a diet. You know, sometimes you just need a, a jump start, and you need help in curbing the way that you eat. So you follow a diet plan. But we all know that that's not sustainable long term. Eventually, you have to figure out what you can adapt into your lifestyle so that long term you're eating healthy. And that's what we want our church to do. We want uh, to help you get started, to figure out what the different aspects of discipleship are. But eventually, we want you to take ownership of it and adapt those parts into your lifestyle so that, you know, just like, you know, going to school in the morning, going to work, and going to, to discipleship group. It's just a part of what you do and who you are. So um, discipleship groups are are the place where we practice spiritual disciplines, talk about God's Word with others, pray for others, and encourage one another. Wow, very good. So myth number four I'm not knowledgeable enough to disciple someone else. And I'll take this one because I, I, I think it's funny because Jesus never addressed any sort of standardized test that we have to pass before we can go and make disciples. Rather, he just says, go and make disciples. And so, you know, I do believe that we can look at passages like those from Titus 2, where we see that the older and more mature are to teach sound doctrine to those that are both younger in age and in spiritual maturity. And uh, also, we can see the need for pastors and ministry leaders to help explain Scripture in a way that's understandable to us. At the same time, all of us, we are all to go and make disciples. And so for me, I see discipleship groups as as simply a means to do that. Um, I think one of the reasons that people uh, maybe feel like they're not able to uh, help lead a discipleship group is that they kind of get a, a misunderstanding on on the relationship that exists there amongst the different members. We see it uh, from sort of like a teacher to a student relationship. And, and with discipleship groups, uh, it's more so brothers and sisters in Christ that are they're simply having conversations around God's Word where the Spirit uses that conversation in order to edify one another. And so um, I would say, yes, you're knowledgeable enough to talk about God's Word with your brothers and sisters in Christ. All right, myth number five. Discipleship groups don't address all the personal issues in life like marriage or parenting or culture or, or politics. Jared, or I'm sorry, Jessica, what would you say about that? <laughs> well, I think um, first there's nothing stopping a group from reading extra books, um, like one that might address one of those specific kinds of topics, parenting or um, marriage or, or whatever you need help in. So um, I would just 
want to caution you that if you do choose to read an extra book together, that you be sure you give proper an appropriate amount of time to the scripture before you move on to um, talking about your book together. Um, but um, second, uh, we think in scripture addresses all of those areas. Um, it, the, the word says that scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for proof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So um, every uh, chapter of God's word is useful and informative and um, is helpful for us to learn how to live as a biblical man or woman. And thirdly, um, it's likely that someone in your group has uh, experienced whatever it is that you're going through. And so that's part of what this group is for, is to learn from one another and to lean on each other and to um, be there to encourage and give advice. Okay, Jared, I just want to say I don't have enough time to be in a discipleship group. So there, take it. You're telling me that now, or is this another myth? No, this is how I feel. This is how you feel? Yeah. <laughs> well, let's, let's just say how you feel is also myth number six. Oh, ouch. Okay. <laughs> so you don't have time to be in a discipleship group. Uh, well, that might be true. I mean, if you look at your schedule and it's completely full, it might be true that you don't have time. We talked about this in a, in a previous podcast, but uh, we addressed that reading the Word, uh, hiding in your heart, caring for each other, making disciples— it's, a, it's actually a non-negotiable. I mean, it's a, it's a command from Jesus. And so while you, you may not have time on your schedule right now um, for discipleship groups, I think then it becomes a matter of priority. So it may mean that we need to rearrange our schedule uh, to make discipleship groups or making disciples a, um, a higher priority. And so if you're... If you're doing um, a lot of other things and your life is really busy, the, the beauty of discipleship groups is that there's no extra preparation time. You just come ready to talk about what God has uh, taught you from His Word already. And so if you're, the assumption is you're already doing a daily quiet time in the Word and, or devotion time. And so when you come to your discipleship group, you're just talking about that. So it's not like you have to set aside extra time to prepare for your discipleship group. Um, other, apart from other disciplines you're already doing. So I think about uh, Ephesians 5. It talks about look carefully how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Don't be foolish, but know what the will of the Lord is. And so uh, what is the will of the Lord but what he has commanded to make disciples? And so it just needs to be a higher priority. Mm. I would just also add to that that, um, you know, thinking about your your weekly schedule, and I just can't fit another thing in. Um, just try to be creative with um, where you already are throughout the week. Um, if you're, you know, waiting on your child at gymnastics or a, a soccer practice or wherever, you can meet with another parent there, and you can have your discipleship group during practice, or you can meet during a lunch break or whatever. You don't have to try and carve out extra time. Just be a little bit more creative with using the time that you are already spending during the week. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so the final myth. Scripture memorization is just too difficult for me. <laughs> um, 
I think that I, I know I've said that before. <laughs> um, I, I don't need to list out the excuses. Um, we've we've all said them and used them and believed them, and you know maybe maybe you do have a, a good excuse. I don't know, <laughs> but there are a lot of tools to utilize in scripture memorization. Um, maybe you know you know just never gave it the proper amount of time and attention that you needed to learn the skill of memory work. Um, it's not something that comes naturally to us, so we do have to devote time to learn the skill and to build it and to practice it. Um, consistency is important. Um, if you can memorize something and uh, repeat it for seven weeks, then it's really you know locked in. If you can get that seven week mark, then you're pretty set with that verse. And to be able to do this, to to get the consistency in, you need accountability. You need somebody who's going to look you in the eyes and say, "Did you work on your verse this week?" And um, if you don't have that, then it's way too easy to just let it go and forget about it or think that oh, I have more important things to do right now than to, to work on that. So that's one reason that discipleship groups are just so important for some of these spiritual disciplines that are just too easy to push off to the side. And for some, you know, we just we just need to, we have the ability, we just need to give it the time and the attention um, that it deserves. And, you know, I have um, a, a lady in my discipleship group who has, I don't even know how many um, verses she has memorized, um, but every week she comes ready with her verse and she quotes it with, you know, attitude. I don't know. <laughs> she, with vigor. Yes. 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 And it is such, it is so inspiring to me because I mean, that encourages me. It's like, she did it. I can do it. And so I go home and I work harder on my verses. And so um, it's just, it's a really good um, spiritual discipline to put into your life. It's really helpful, especially for parenting in the middle of those um, battles with siblings or whatever. If you can draw up a Bible verse from your heart in the middle of that to correct your children, um, that's invaluable. So um, I would just say that, it's worth it to mm. try. And so there you have it. Uh, everyone can memorize scripture and they can do it with attitude as well. <laughs> <laughs> and so there are your seven myths about discipleship groups that have been debunked. And so we're once again, we're, we're just about out of time. But before we go, Jessica, I know that you are an avid reader. Uh, <laughs> do you have one discipleship resource that you would recommend to those that are listening? I, let me just correct you. I am an avid book buyer. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> uh, occasionally I read them. But um, I would recommend um, Disciple Her by Candy Gallaty. It's a great book on discipleship. It's easy to read, and it just breaks it all down in a very clear and simple way to understand. Yeah, and, and this is a resource that is designed for women, but I would actually argue that it is a great read for men as well. Uh, just uh, the clarity that she speaks to discipleship. Well, very good. We are uh, all out of time today. And so I want to thank you guys for joining me today. And until next time, Fairview, may we exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm.